This is Charisma Connection. Welcome to the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Steve Green, and I have a special guest with us on this podcast. I'm so honored and excited to be able to interview Ms. Cora Jakes Coleman. Welcome to the podcast, Cora. Thank you so much, Mr. Green, for having me. Well, it's our pleasure that we can't get any better guests than someone with, with your great experience and pedigree and, and your great book. Thank you. You've just finished a powerful book called Faithing It. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book. Where did you get that original flame to write a book on faith? It's only been written about about a million times. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, faith, as you have said, has been written a lot, but the perspective in which I'm using faithing it, it hasn't been heard before. And so uh, when we talk about facing it, it was birthed from experiences that I've gone through that truly shook my faith and where I had to figure out how to overcome those experiences. And so God really um, allowed me to hone in on the different experiences that I went through in order to be able to help others. And so it's really like you're on a journey with me, and I'm able to pray over you and connect with you and bring you out of the shadow and into the light, if you would say. And so facing it was birth from a lot of the encounters and a lot of experiences that I've gone through that's made me whole and complete today. So what you're saying to me is you've had some struggles along the way. Yes, very much so. Yes, and you win, you have won, and you're referring back to how you won through your faith. Yes. You've got a great quote that I've underlined. It's in some of your press material, but it says it so well. It probably summarizes the book. Without a faith fight, there cannot be a win. Absolutely. So tell us, you don't need to give us anything personal, but tell us about right in the middle of a struggle, at the lowest point of your faith, how faith served you and gave you the the dawn in the morning. What did you see that kept you going at the bottom of a valley? Well, when I think about faith, I don't think about religion. I think about relationship. Mm. So we all have faith in something, be it God, be it religion, be it ourselves. Uh, we all have faith and hope for something. And so when my faith was shaken during my time of infertility, I truly had to find a way to overcome. And ironically enough, um, as the Word says, we overcome by the Word of our testimony. And so for a long time, I felt like I had to succeed before I could share my story. But um, the Lord told me that I didn't have to wait, that I could heal while hurting. And as soon as I did, as soon as I wrote my first post, my first blog about my infertility journey, people really, really connected with it, and it did begin to heal me. And so my faith, trusting in God's ability to turn my trial into treasure for someone else, was what got me through, what helped me to keep pushing, and what is helping me to keep pushing now. So, Cora, do you have a technique to share? Like, is there, everybody wants to know, is there a 12-step system here? Are there three steps? Is there something that you did out of routine that serves you in, in your faith battle? Absolutely. Um, it's not 12 steps, it's actually three, but they're very strong steps. And the first uh, one of those steps is face it. So a lot of times when we go through trials and tribulations in life, we begin to blame God for those things, mm -hmm. and we build up bitterness and anger 
and frustration with our storm. And uh, we're told that we can't ask God why and we can't seek for an answer from God. But um, as the Word has shown us, it's filled with questions to God. And so we have to face it. We have to face that emotion. We have to face the the process of grief that we go through and, and be real with God. That's the first step. The second So let me interrupt you before we get to the second step. You mean I can't be delusional about my problem? I can't assume <laughs> no, it's just going to get better no, by itself. You, when you are delusional, you're distracted and detoured from your destiny. So we want to stop our delusions. We want to stop our denial of grief and just express it, experience it, encounter it, and understand that it's okay to go through that. Whenever yeah. our faith is shaken, it's it's almost like our dream and our hope has been ripped from us for a moment. And so we go through that grieving process of having to really trust God is going to do what we really hope for. And so we have to face it. That That's what we have to do. In order to have a relationship of faith, you have to be real with the faither. Wow. And um, so that's, that's our first step. Our second step, which is very hard for most, but um, we have to do it daily, is forgiveness. Forgiving yourself, forgiving the person who hurt you, forgiving God, and forgiving your your hindrance, and allowing yourself to truly walk in that forgiveness, understanding that forgiveness isn't for the other person, but it's for ourselves, for our completeness, for our wholeness, it's for our ability to move forward in what God has for us. And so we have to walk in forgiveness. Um, sometimes we have to give forgiveness to those who we know are not deserving of it, just so that we can continue to walk in the light that God would have us to. So that's the second step. My last step is go. Once you have faced your emotional distractions and you have faced that you're going through the, the stages of grief and you have gotten to a level of acceptance and then you have forgiven and you are walking in that true forgiveness, then you have no other step but to go. Go forward in what God called you to do. Go forward in your destiny. Go forward and understand that your destiny is filled with plans that were better than the ones that you came up with. Yes. And so it's supposed to be a fun journey. Yes, it'll be bumpy. Yes, there will be obstacles. Yes, there will be mountains. But it is a journey that will ultimately end you with a promise that is much bigger than what you have thought up for yourself. That's so good. So do you find that of the three, the real struggle is in the going? Of the three, I'd say that's the most difficult. Yes, yes. Going can be hard because of the fear of failure, but also with our generation, the millennials, um, we have a fear of success. And the fear of success comes with the expectation of the gift. And so you know that God's called you to do something great, and you know that you've already thought of something really great, and God has to exceed that. But what expectation comes with that can be very scary. And so we allow ourselves to be stagnant and not move forward because we are afraid of what God expects of us with the gift that he's placed inside of us. Yes. But um, again, it goes back to understanding that, yes, the journey will be tough and it will be hard, but there is nothing that you can plan, absolutely nothing that you could think of or imagine that God can't top ten times better. Like, he's always won. You'll never win over God's plan, and you just have to trust that even though you have true love and true heart for what you've designed, 
God has designed something greater. That's so good. Now, I'm going to be nosy for a second. I'm going to say, while you're writing this book, I kind of know how the enemy works, and I think we all do, that when you're writing something like this, you're going to get an opportunity to walk it out. Did you find yourself coming under attack, and uh, did you have hindrances to this book as you were writing it? As I was writing it, um, I honestly, it was almost like God put me in a hedge of protection to write this book. Mm. And the book, as God has anointed me as David, this book is the stone to knock out the Goliath. This book is what renders the enemy's tactics and attacks ineffective. This book is what shows you that the enemy is God's enemy. Everything that you're going through, the enemy had to get permission for from God first. He cannot touch you. He cannot enter your vessel. He cannot enter your home. He cannot enter your job without permission from God. And so since we already know that God is for us and that if he be for us, that nothing can be against us, then there's no reason to fight. You just stand on faith, understanding that God's got it. His ability is better than yours. His trusting is better than yours. His power is better than yours. And he is bigger than the enemy. So there's nothing to be afraid of. So, yes, attacks will come, but I understand that I'm up against the standard. Yes, weapons will form, but I understand that they will not prosper. Yes, the enemy, he will come in like a flood. But I consistently remind myself that as God's daughter, I am up against the standard. And so... I am not bothered by the enemy at all. I love that. That is good faith. That's a good statement. We're visiting with Cora Jakes Coleman. She's just finished a book called Faithing It, and it's going to be available in bookstores everywhere just in a couple of weeks. You can probably still find it online. Cora, is there a place I can get it now? There is not a place that you can get it now unless you come to the Potter's House November 15th where I will be speaking about my book and doing an exclusive book signing, as well as I will be at the Potter's House again this Friday for our Brick um, Young Adults Ministry, and I'll be doing an exclusive book signing there. November 17th, the book will be available everywhere. So those two places are the two places that I'll be where you can get the book now, and I believe we'll be releasing the first chapter on my website, www.coragecoleman.com, very soon. Oh, so the first chapter will be up soon. Yes. Great. So a question, are you still executive director of your uh, of the children's ministry there at Potter's House? Yes, I am. I love my children, all of them. I'll bet. How many are there? We have about 600 to 700 children on, a, on an average Sunday. And uh, because we are building our new youth uh, community center, we have to turn away some of the kids. We're kind of busting at the seams over in the village. So um, it's going very, very well. I'm happy to be able to undergird the uh, future generation. Good for you. That's so many kids. Yes, yes. <laughs> to wake up to that on a Sunday morning, I think I'd want to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a gift. Definitely a gift. God bless your gift. It's amazing. I want to talk you. to you about one of the chapters in your book. It, it really fascinated me, and I want to hear you speak about it. You've got a, a really good, sweet word about the power in no. Would you like talk about that just for a minute? Absolutely. When I um, went through my second IVF cycle, 
I had my daughter at the time, and when we first got her, it was a task, you know, teaching her about our religion and and relationship and um, really trying to get her to understand, you know, how cool God is. And so when I went through the IVF cycle, my daughter would pray over my belly that that God would would produce um, her brother and sister. So I figured since we were going through the IVF cycle that the Lord would not let her prayers fall to the ground and he would not force me to have to tell her that sometimes God says no. And so um, when it failed and I was in tears, I looked over across the room and my daughter was sitting there and she was just kind of looking like very disappointed. And she asked me, Mommy, why did God say no? And I said, um, God never says no, for his answers are yes and amen. But sometimes God does put a delay on our desire because we have not prepared fully for it. And so we have to understand that if God has said no to our right now, it means that we have a little bit more preparation to do. We have a little bit more building to do with our relationship and our trust that God will do what he said he will do. Because God is for you. Exactly. And so when I write about that in the book, it's like my father told me, you know, you can be angry, you can be upset, you can be disappointed, but you cannot stop fighting, and that um, a delay is not a deny. And so we cannot blame a blameless God, and we cannot make God's yeses no. They are never no. They are just delayed. Oh, You have another great thought about the power of pride and the damage that pride can do to your faith. Do you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on power over pride? Yes, when when we talk about pride, we you know pride comes before fall. Um, the other thing that messes us up really bad with purpose and pride is because when you are so prideful, you never give God an opportunity to perform. And so when we don't give God an opportunity to perform, then we're not able to receive the promise because of our free will and pride. Mm -hmm. The power of faith and the power in humility and surrendering comes with a promise. And, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice. We all have to sacrifice something, and sometimes our obedience is the sacrifice. Sometimes obedience has to come to kill pride so that we can receive both our promise from the sacrifice as well as being able to see the true sacrifice that God did just so that we could receive the promise. So there is power in your faith. You just have to to use it accurately and to understand that you don't put your pride before God's power or you will indeed fall. You're full of wisdom. Where did you get all this wisdom? You're still young. I'm a geezer. Uh, Well, my daddy says that I've been wise since I was a little girl. I can only imagine that that goes with just watching my father preach, watching my mother preach, listening to their advice and their encouragement, and then just building my own relationship of wisdom and knowledge through through the Word of God, um, I guess you'd say I'm, I'm kind of an old soul, but yeah. um, I, I'm young at heart, old in soul, so I, I guess I connect in, in all of those aspects, but definitely watching my mother and father, who mean the absolute world to me, they've been great, great guiders of wisdom, and I've tried to take on what they've spoken over me. 
So, Cora, are you telling me that you haven't been able to have a relationship with God through your daddy? Is it that significant enough to have T.D. Jakes as your father? Hasn't oh, that been no, enough? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. My father has always told us, don't count on me to get your mm-hmm. ticket to heaven. <laughs> you have to go to God for yourself. Amen. And so I understood that very early. Um, I read Job very early, so I understood when he said, naked I came and naked I will go, I understood that even though my daddy may make it, he can't take me with him. That's so right. I have to learn God for myself. And so that's what I did because I believe that there is a power that is higher than mine. Um, yes. I would hope that at the end of the struggles and at the end of the trials that when when I die, that I get an opportunity to show God how grateful I was and be able to say thank you to him face to face. And so I wanted to go up by myself. So I, went, I listened to my father. Uh-huh. I studied at home, and I developed my own relationship yes. because you can't get grandfathered into heaven. Good for you. And you think, I, I've made it through this entire podcast and tried not to mention your father because you wrote this book. God gave you this book and gave you this word, and I don't like introducing you as the daughter of Bishop Jakes. You know, I I, I feel bad about that, and yet I've got to ask you about your PKness. Do Do you think that other PKs you've you've met several? You know the country, and I met I taught several at ORU, and I, they're afflicted in many different ways. And I think you've c- come to the heart of of how PKs battle, and that's that they don't get their own faith. They don't have their own original experience. Would you comment on that? Absolutely. In the fishbowl of life as a PK, it's very difficult to go through the trials that God would have you to go through in order for you to minister effectively without being stoned by society's Mm -hmm. expectation of you. Yes. And so as a PK growing up, my my parents always made sure that our home was kind of like our war room, our yes. our safe place, our foundation, mm-hmm. that they were always a very good foundation for us. And that when we went out into the world, we always understood that we could come home and, and no matter how many mistakes we made, no matter what the world said, we always had mom and dad to come home to. And so as a PK, I understand that it's kind of hard to become a great minister when the world won't let you go through the mess so that you can create a message. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would just say, give us a break. We we yes. all have a journey. You know, we all have a story, and, and they want us to preach, but they don't want us to go through the process. You live in a fishbowl. I mean, Dallas is a, is a tough market anyway. And not just Dallas, but internationally. The bishop's so well-known, and your family is so well-known. That could you do anything right outside of your family's household and the protection of their love? Did you find people always send pick to you? To some extent, yes. But to other extents, I, I kind of held myself at a very high standard mm-hmm. uh, because I knew that the expectation was very great. And then in just great protection of our legacy and of our family as a whole, I always try to make sure that I do things knowing that there could be great backlash or great reward be behind it. I, I try to remain low. My father calls me his secret weapon. Mm. So I've kind of been um, behind being conditioned for, for the world. But I understood that 
you know, you, you have to go through kind of the nitpicking of the world, but you, you decide how you respond yes. to the world. And I decided to respond with positivity and give them something good to look at. Cora, I think you hit on another essence of being a PK, and that's they build up this great resentment to the fishbowl, resentment that they don't get to live their life like their, their parent, your parents chose the fishbowl. You didn't. And some PKs really battle that and, and rebel against that. Thoughts? Like I said, when you know your purpose, when you know the gift God has placed inside of you, that alone is already scary. And so when you haven't decided to be in the fishbowl, but that's kind of your conditioning room, mm. um, the expectation both in the fishbowl and outside of the fishbowl are, are great either way. And so it's hard. It's hard being a PK. It's hard being a kid in general who wants to be great. Yes. If you want to be great, if you want to be what we see in social media, what, what you want to obtain is great. It's going to come with great scrutiny. It's going to come with great trial. You cannot be royalty without being seen. Oh, my. That's so good. We talk about that all the time. You're not a commoner. Right. You're at the king's table. You're a princess. Yeah. And we all have royal blood, but sometimes we don't want to live like royalty. Exactly. Well, talking with you has been a gift. I love your book. I love who you are and respect you. you so much for what we've heard in this podcast. I want to close with a, a, another thought from you about your book. If if you were to meet someone and they sat next to you and they asked you, Cora, why should I read this book? What's it going to do for me? I would say... If you've ever gone through anything that absolutely destroyed your belief in God's ability, mm. then this book is going to be the rebirth and the renewing of faith that is needed in order for you to believe in God's ability again. That everything's going to be okay. Yes. That your story will change the world and be a success to you. Not to get down about your life but to look up and keep your head up because you are standing in the evidence of your faith. If you don't like where you're standing, get the book so that you can face bigger. Yes, yes. What a good word to close on. You know, I've just got to witness the Holy Spirit. i got goosebumps going up and down my back. Would you pray? There are people listening to this podcast. I know they're going to hear, hear your great voice, and this message has been phenomenal. I feel like I've been to church. Would you pray for those who are listening that are probably lacking in faith right now. They're walking a valley, and they're looking up, and they're trying to find the Lord in this. Would you pray for those that are listening right now that are bankrupt in their faith? Absolutely. Father God, we first say thank you. We thank you for the things that you have done, the things that you have kept us from that we know and do not know of. God, whoever is listening in this moment has reached out in hope that you might hear their cry, that you might hear their heart, that you might reach down and touch them in a special way. So I pray, God, that you would touch them right now in this moment, that you would consume them with a supernatural healing that can be not compared. I pray, God, that you would just shift them into a place of belief in your ability to do what they have asked. I pray, God, that you would calm 
the storm and place them against the standard, that they feel that they are up against the standard. God, I pray that you consistently remind them that no weapon formed against them shall be able to prosper. I pray you increase their faith to mountain-sized faith that they no longer stand on the mustard seed minimum requirement, but that they reach for bigger faith and that they believe in you bigger. God, heal every soul scar. Heal every wound. Heal everything heard and unheard, every tear that has no answer, God, answer it. I thank you, God, for supernatural healing, supernatural faith, and God, double portion blessing. For whoever is listening, whoever is reached, God, I pray that you give them a supernatural double portion blessing, that everything that was promised to them be revealed in the name of Jesus. It is so, and so it is. Amen. Yes, in the name of Jesus. I receive it. In fact, I'll be playing back this podcast with that prayer quite often. What a powerful prayer. What a powerful woman and book. The name of the book is Faithing It, Bringing Purpose Back to Your Life. With Cora Jakes Coleman, this is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. And Cora, thank you so much for this blessing. Thank you. God bless you. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.